Welcome to our weekly three-minute therapy podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein. I'm a clinical psychologist with a uh, in-person and remote practice and author of three-minute therapy. And three-minute therapy is based exclusively on REBT, Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy. And uh, our Today, I'm here with my co-host, Mick Berry, and we have, we have a guest, Bob Moore, and Bob Moore uh, has had vast experience doing REBT and also experience working with trauma. Bob, did you want to add anything else in introduction? Well, you've said it perfectly well. I, I spent the first 20 years of my career in REBT exclusively until one day I discovered I had a very good grip on the tip of the iceberg and got into trauma work. Okay, and you trained uh, with Albert Ellis in person, the founder of REBT. Yeah, yeah, I opened his uh, branch down here in Florida. Uh, is that still uh, in? Is that still there or has it been closed? No, it's, it's still here. Vince Parr and colleagues are running it over in Tampa. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, and what's the name of the branch? The Institute for Rational Motive Therapy. I see. I see. Very good. And um, I was going to ask you something else. Have you written anything on uh, RBT or trauma? Oh, sure. Sure. I should send you a, a little list, shouldn't I? Okay. What's what's the most prominent of your books well they're chapters um i had the good fortune to uh be connected with a number of colleagues who who do in fact write books <laughs> and and the and the pleasure and privilege of putting a chapter here and there into them uh, <clears throat> to define whatever it is they're wanting to look at in the in the book overall yeah and you <laughs> helped albert ellis with some of his books uh, when he was putting them in E-Prime. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and E-Prime is English language without any form of the verb to be. And I think quite some time ago, I did a podcast on E-Prime, and we might do one again. Um, so how do you, uh, Bob, how do you define trauma? Uh, in the kind of trauma work that I do, uh, my colleagues and I let the uh, client define it. Um, it's, it's sort of interesting in that regard, because what is traumatic to one person is not necessarily traumatic to another, as you might imagine. So we don't bicker with them about that. Um, they can have their life can be falling apart. They can have suffered some huge insult, some grievous injury, some incredibly unfortunate circumstance. And dust it off and say, well, that was a bummer. Uh, on the other hand, some people will freak out if a roach crawls across their kitchen floor and insist that that's a trauma. And we don't, we don't argue with them. It doesn't, it doesn't pay to argue with them. Uh -huh. And uh, so once they tell you that uh, a roach crawled, a, crawled a car across their kitchen floor and that was a trauma, how do you deal with that? Well, I, I need the presentation from the uh, from the individual because even those are not all alike. 
Um, but if they identify any particular experience as traumatic, the assumption is, and they will bear this out in their own testimony, that they're having a, a, a variety of very unpleasant uh, personal, emotional, psychological reactions to the to the occasion. And it's messing up their lives. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in my office, of course. I see. Uh, so it seems to me, and this is uh, going to be the meat of our discussion, that if someone has an unpleasant emotional experience, their emotions come from their thinking. And then if we want to help them with their emotions, we identify their thinking and if they have an unpleasant emotion, often it's uh, irrational thinking, um, often in the form of must and should, some demand, some absolutes. Yes, so well said. Is, is that your view also? Oh, well said. Yes, you you nailed it. And we so go then, in, in the in the work that we do with with people who consider that they've been traumatized at some point. We we take an extra step because we invite them to consider that their thinking, which you correctly identify as faulty, comes from somewhere. In other words, they weren't born with it. Um, they usually have had a variety of experiences that help to program their thinking. And we take an interest in that. I see. I see. Uh, Mick? Yeah. Well, now, Bob, it's my experience that people are born with proclivities for self-defeating thoughts and self-defeating behavior. Yeah, or to put it a little differently, we all, being human, we all have a tendency to escalate our preferences, and especially our strong, passionate preferences into demands. Right. Now, you said it well, Mick. Um, we are all vulnerable in that regard. Yeah, but we have, I believe we have the tendency to pick up from our environment the key key people in our in our lives, especially when we're young, to pick up all sorts of errant attitudes and values and beliefs and expectations right. and priorities, and and we're just programmable as heck, you know. Yeah, right. And so we find people who affirm our erroneous beliefs, but we also might find people who will present arguments against our erroneous beliefs and we could end up getting rid of our erroneous beliefs <clears throat> through learning and that's certainly what therapy attempts to do teach right. somebody to think differently exactly exactly yeah now it seemed to me bob that we so far we agree on everything but it seemed to me we had some disagreement about rebt and trauma was that your impression my impression uh, that well, here's here's the thing. Everything we've we're in agreement about is 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 solid gold as far as I'm concerned. Um, but back in the day, when trauma has uh, was not as prominent a clinical issue as it has become, Ellis was very clear about. It. I'll just give you a little anecdote in this regard. He said, "Don't don't mess with it. If they can walk in and." declare themselves to be PTSD, you really, really don't want to go there unless you have some extraordinary skill with dealing with people who are about to become majorly upset and bleed on your carpet. And he didn't want to see that happen because we're not particularly good at 
at uh, doing um, rational emotive interventions or any other cognitive behaviorist uh, technique if someone is absolutely torn apart and blubbering all the while they're in your office. So he was saying, don't trigger them if at all possible. They can walk yeah. into PTSD. Okay, don't trigger them. It's like saying, don't go there. All right. So he wanted to stay largely in present time because after all, the, the whatever the event, the traumatic event could have been considerable, uh, very, and a very old thing, a long time ago. Um, but if they're having trouble today and if they're in your office today, they're looking at a, a bundle of irrational thinking right now. And that's where you want to put your attention. Don't put your attention on its derivation in something that's going to turn them into a slobbering mess. Yeah. Yes, Mick. Yeah. Well, if we call an event a traumatic event, uh, REBT would say no event is in itself traumatic in the sense of debilitating us mentally it's how we view it now i'd say there are some events which are most likely more difficult for most people such as shell sh in world war one there was people that experienced shell shock some people didn't some people did but it's certainly not a an easy thing to uh deal with if you're under fire from people trying to kill you I'd say that's about as likely a scenario of an, a situation that you would find emotionally upsetting as anything because sure. the stakes are high and the threat is so yeah. enormous. Oh my God, I'm about to die. Yeah, but yeah, but, but even in, there in itself. Yeah, even there you have what? a choice. Uh, even in a situation like that and Viktor Frankl chose not to disturb himself about it he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning and he showed that he uh, gave a different meaning to his stay in the concentration camps which as a psychiatrist was to help the other people there I'm sorry for interrupting you Mick go on yeah, well, and actually, as far as Viktor Frankl goes, an interesting note about that. My sister's a college professor, and she was hiring somebody who did research on Viktor Frankl, and he had sound research which concluded that Viktor Frankl was in a concentration camp all of three days. So I don't think he's the best candidate. Now we can investigate that. Perhaps that's not true, but nevertheless, he's not the only example of that. Uh, People survive very life, extremely life-threatening situations, and they don't have mental hang-ups about it. And some people simply have, as Bob was saying, can have mental hang-ups about a cockroach crawling across the floor or walking over a bridge or getting in an elevator or simply going outside of their house. Right. So it is within our own thinking that determines how we perceive something to be traumatic exactly exactly yeah so we learn how to think about things differently so that we are not living under the experience of perennial anxiety right yeah and yeah. as mick was saying bob and i wonder if you agree uh, there's no such thing as a traumatic event uh because as you said bob uh, 
people describe trauma as freaking out, very intense, unpleasant emotions. And as we know, our emotions come from our thinking about events, not from events themselves. That's right. So to be semantically precise, we wouldn't refer to anything as a traumatic event. We'd refer to things as an event that right. some people traumatize themselves about it. Yeah, yeah, you correctly identify how we speak. Now, how the client speaks when they walk in, they talk about traumatic events. Now, we right. know that we know better, as you perfectly well say. Um, but that's not an invitation to to immediately make them wrong about their presentation. So one of the things you learn when you when you're working with people who have been significantly traumatized and are eligible for re-stimulation the moment they walk into your office is you you try not to um, essentially sabotage their argument by saying, well, actually, you've got it wrong. You see, there aren't there is no such thing as a traumatic event. So let me start out by just correcting you here. OK, and immediately go into uh, a kind of adversarial relationship with their thinking that will come later okay that will come later yeah yeah so so we practice differently but mick you wanted to say something well couldn't you say to them well, i'm glad you're here and i want to give you the hope because i know that you're going to be able to deal with this and i can teach you how when would you like to start yeah, yeah and, and uh in that optimistic note of mix to a client, I also say, I have some good news. There's a way you can stop disturbing yourself. So I don't make them wrong or be very critical. But uh, I, I, I present it in a very positive light. Excellent. I'll go even farther, Mick, because not only do we tell them, um, how would it be some to paraphrase you, uh, if you didn't have if you uh, could handle all of this if you if you found a way to not become the victim of this roach or death threat or whatever it is okay but you actually didn't have any particular residual reaction to it anymore and i'll offer him that kind of hope um oh, yeah yeah very good mick i'll even go so far as to say I am as capable as anybody of disturbing myself. And it's something that we all do as human beings. And I'm the perfect example of it. And <laughs> I've been highly, highly disturbed. And so I can teach you how I was able to get over my disturbance. Yeah, you can yep. do that if you have the right kind of background. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. it's it, that difficult, actually, if you can. One, one thing I've found, though, if you're a licensed therapist, people tend to listen to you more, which is kind of silly, because as an unlicensed non-therapist, I can say just because you're licensed doesn't mean you know what the hell you're doing. Um, and uh, but people tend to listen to somebody if they're li a licensed therapist. People don't listen to me that much, but that's OK. Yeah, yeah. Send send, send them to me and Bob, and they'll listen. <laughs> yeah. Over time, I've I've developed a uh, a response to to people, potential clients who call and say, 
Uh, do you have a, a woman on your staff? Do you have anybody on your staff who has had a trauma? Do you have, they're looking for a therapist who has the same disorder they've got because they <laughs> think that's, that makes them extra specially able to help them. And I, I don't think they do that with their cardiologist. I'm not, I'm not going to go to a right. cardiologist who hasn't yeah, good had point. a heart attack, you know? Yeah, because but, many people but, come to therapy to be understood and uh, that's it, to have a shoulder to cry on, someone who has compassion and is caring, yeah. rather than shows how to change things. Yes, Mick? Well, I think even if that is what they want, it qualifies to say, I'm a fallible human being just like you, and I can teach you how to be less fallible and more self-helping and less self-defeating. We're all in the same boat there just by mm -hmm. being a, you know what you're doing, you mm -hmm. can help somebody else so even if you're looking for that affinity it's right there it doesn't have to be the same exp exact experience right yeah yeah okay very good i was hoping for a wild and woolly discussion but it looks like we largely agree on everything <laughs> but 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 i think that's fine <laughs> well bob let me ask you this yeah. i run into so many people who are, I'm in the arts, and I find people in the arts tend to go the route of Freud. And uh, I think because of the mystery behind it, and not everybody, of course, but I run into so many people who think that all mental disturbance comes from childhood abuse in their childhood. And uh, it's just not true. It's the way we think about things that disturbs us. Do you encounter that very often? Um, do I encounter people who think that their disturbances came from childhood abuse? Yeah. Well, if they have, in fact, been significantly abused as children, there's a very good likelihood that that ex unfortunate experience contributed to their being screwed up. But that doesn't change the facts that there are people who are abused who react with a lifetime's worth of pain, and there are people who have been abused who don't. And but, uh, and so we you know we're we're interested in the difference. The difference being the way they have learned to think about their experience. Yeah. Well, what I find is people who have no evidence of any childhood abuse are convinced that it must have occurred because they're so disturbed forgive me the uh, the audio is being uh, corrupted for some reason and yeah I your your audio you. is being corrupted and i think that's a good note to conclude on um but um i wanted to uh thank you bob for joining us this has been an interesting discussion with a therapist who deals with uh clients who say they have been traumatized. Uh, so it's useful to hear your experiences and learn from your experiences. Thank you, Mick, my uh, co-host. Co uh, sorry about the connection at the end there. Okay. And um, I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein, clinical psychologist, and I have a book, 3minutetherapy.com. Uh, Bob, do you want to tell us, do you have a website? I don't have a website, no. I see. Okay. And uh, do you want to mention one book 
where you have a chapter? Um, Nothing comes to mind right now. Well, several, um, except that I I I need to I I need to pull them out and and take a look at which one would be most relevant to what we've been talking about. Um, why don't I send you if you want that uh, that in that information? Let me let me send it to you. Okay. Um, okay. Some of the ones, some of the ones that we revised in E prime are valuable in in this connection, um, but I'm I'm thinking more of Wendy Dryden's book. Uh, uh, you know the name Wendy Dryden? Oh, I know Wendy. I used to I knew Wendy personally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's been a, a prolific writer, and and I made some contributions to his work. I put chapters. Um, related to, as a matter of fact, chapters related to trauma into. Uh, one of his books, uh, the title of which now escapes me. It's been a, it's been some years. Yeah, so, and that's, but, that's Dryden, D-R-Y-D-E-N, Wendy Dryden. Yep. Yep. Okay, thanks, uh, Bob, again, for joining us. Thanks, Mitch, My pleasure. for your participation. And thank you, Chris Rossini, our tech engineer behind the scenes. If you have thoughts about our discussion, comment below. If you uh, got something out of it, give us a thumbs up. Suggest subjects if you'd like us to discuss something in the future. And if you'd like to volunteer, Bob survived being a volunteer uh, and a guest here. So I'm <laughs> sure you would too. And uh, subscribe to the Three Minute Therapy Podcast to stay on the rational side of life.